should start by opening these. Oh, should we? Yeah. I was going to say, welcome to the 312th episode of the Good Day Sir podcast. Wow. Today is Sunday, September 10th, 2023. Le- the Leading into the week of Dreamforce. I don't know why I'm doing this. <laughs> I was just thinking, though, 312. Are we the longest running Salesforce podcast? I mean, I don't know. I don't think I don't, we're, we're definitely not earliest, but most number of episodes. I think the other, the cloud. Cloud Focus, Focus cloud has Focus. us beat on number of episodes. I think they were like 340 something or 350. Oh my gosh. Good Lord. Wow. wow. I think I have to go and double are they, check. Are they still around? I don't think they post anymore. No. I think they're focused on business stuff. Hmm. Well, John, do the honors. Yeah. Here we go. Oh, wow, you went there with it. Oh, yeah, got to <laughs> got to coat thy palate, John. We got to we got to bring the cork po- the cork back. What's better, the pop of a beer or cork? Oh, of a whiskey bottle. I don't know. I just I think it depends on what you're in the mood for. Depends on what makes for a better show. <laughs> beer <Yeah>. or whiskey. <laughs> I think I think whatever we want is what makes this show it's, it's what uh, it is. It's the beer. Beer's the slow, the slow burn, whereas whiskey's the the high octane. Yeah. Burn. Well, let's tell people what we're drinking. This is uh, by Manhattan Project Beer Company here in Dallas, Texas, and this beer is called Cold War. All of their beers are named after, um, you know, Wars. kind of World War One mm-hmm. era and nuclear terms. Mm-hmm. Hence but, Manhattan Project. Exactly. Um, yeah, this is like this is the beer's called Cold War. It is a cold IPA, which is uh, some people are like, well, what's the difference between that and an IPL? You know, that was a big thing for a while. And the India Pale Lager, which is, mm-hmm. I think the biggest problem with that is it's a dumb name. Like, just come up with a new name. So, but I do think cold IPA is a little. Bit, I won't go into the details, but I do believe there's a, a difference in the styles. This is pretty good, though. What do you think? That's good. Yeah, yeah. it's a. It's very citrusy. Seven like percent. Yeah. What's the percent? Oh, well, let's see. It pairs well with purists, and it has a like a a, a hipster mustache as the logo for that. It pairs well with tuna, and it pairs pairs w- well with Truman. <laughs> <laughs> it's dry, crisp, and hoppy. Cleaner than a West Coast, and crispier than your favorite lager. Clean and confident bitterness with a bold, dry finish that makes it crushable. I don't know if I'd crush this at 7.1%, but mm. I mean. Yeah. Only for crushing one of them, maybe. Yeah. Um, and this is not my first beer of the day either, so. Oh, it's fine. Just full disclosure. It's fine. <laughs> well, uh, let's start with um, Meetup, since we have some Meetup plans. I don't know if you've been following that thread or not, because I know you're not going to Dreamforce, so you're like... No, I'm you're like I'm out, bitches. Y'all worry about this. <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid of San Francisco. No, I've, I've just I've uh, I don't know if I'll ever go back to Dreamforce. Maybe if it moves to see if it's if it's a different environment. But I think I've been enough times that I know what to expect, and there's no real value for me in it, at least individually. You know, was it was it what was the guy's name that wrote the book? Dan Lyons about Benioff. Well, it was he had a chapter about Dreamforce and Benioff. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was. I think it was. An, I think he was the one that said that. You know, Dreamforce. What did he? What did he say? It was. A, it's a conference where every. It's salespeople selling to salespeople. It's just. It's just all. I mean, I don't say it's all selling. I don't want to say that because, I mean, obviously, you and I both have friends who. God, why is my? I'm turning up the wrong volume here. I keep. 
I'm still, I'm turning yours up. I can't find, I can't find my knob. <laughs> that's a, that's like a bad problem to have. I kept turning the wrong knob. I'm like, why can't I still hear? <laughs> um, no, I mean, there's obviously, obviously there's a crap ton of content at Dreamforce, which is mm-hmm. partly why it gives me anxiety. It's just, it's so much. Um, and it's so many people that, and this, you know, it's a, Dreamforce is one of these things. It's like a victim of its own success in a way. It's like, it's, it's, it's too big and too successful for the venue they choose. They stubbornly <laughs> choose to keep having it at. Yeah. Um, and so it's just, yeah, you know, it's, you know, just, it's going to be a million people that you're, you know, you're on an escalator that has 8,000 people on it. You're like, man, I hope this escalator does not fail. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and you, know, you, you set your schedule up and you try to get into some, some uh, sessions and sure enough, you know, you can't, you can't even get into them. You mm-hmm. really have to know what you're doing. Yeah. Then you basically have to put holes all throughout your day and your schedule so that you can get to things early so yep. that you can be, because I don't, I don't know if they have like reserved spots, really. I can't remember if they do that. I, I think don't think they do that they anymore. Don't. I think it's first come, first serve, I think. Yeah. And so that just usually results in me throwing my hands in the air and saying, I, I can't do this. I'm not built for that. Like, my personality is not built for that. I, I, I don't. I'm, I already um, am a little bit claustrophobic. Not, not bad. A little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and I am really phobic of of lines. I don't stand in lines for beer. I don't stand in lines for barbecue. I don't stand in lines for stupid freaking Disney rides. I don't stand in lines for things. I just, I don't know what it is. Something about me. I can't mm-hmm. do it. I cannot do it. And so. That part of me is just like I, I, I just I'm going to opt out of this whole session thing because it's not. I feel like it's not a good use of my time. And and then you know it's such an investment. Then what happens when you get in there and and then you realize that eh, this is not because about fifty percent of the time you're like this is not what I was hoping it was going to be. Yeah, it's 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 kind of tough to cover details in a session that's only an hour, maybe an hour and a half if you're lucky. Well, that's long. Yeah, are they usually that long? No, I think they're yeah. like forty five minutes because yeah. they try to they try to like split the hour. So that there's time for people to get there and time for people to get to their next session. Yeah. So you, I think the sessions are usually like 30 to 45 minutes. I think those are the two time blocks that they usually have at these conferences. So I'm exaggerating when I say an hour and a half. But even if you had an hour and a half, it's tough to cover a certain amount of details. So at best, you get the introduction. You get the overview. You get into maybe a high-level outline of, of the topic and some some conversation that might happen through questions and answers. And then it's, you know, see if you can grab the speaker after the fact and yeah. have a have a more in-depth conversation, if possible. <clears throat> Which is sometimes really cool in some of the better conversations, but sometimes it's really hard to get into those conversations because everyone's trying to do that. Right, right. Yeah, so, um, yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think what I optimize for nowadays is just trying to make sure I run into all the right people I want to run into. And obviously, you know, we're there for business too. So I, I've got mm-hmm. like various commitments and things. Well, that's um, probably a much more saner approach than, cause I think we've, I think you and I have both tried different avenues, you know, one, make sure we have our schedule planned, all the sessions we want to prioritize. And then there was a year or so where we did the whole, have a backup plan where <laughs> you would kind of double register for a session in case you walked into a session that you didn't like, you could book it to the next session. Right. Yeah. But that was, mm-hmm. even that was just extremely stressful. And it got to the point where after a day or even a few hours of doing that, you're just done. You just find a, 
a clear spot to park in the general yeah. area and you just de-stress for a bit. Right. We were also working half the time too. That was that's oh, also I'll, the hard part is be, trying to work during the conference. Uh, and that's something I'll be I'll be working. So I'll just I'll try to meet up with people, hit some events, mm-hmm. um, find places where I can crack my laptop and and do some get some work done, check in with the team and everything. I mean, because business doesn't stop just because I'm a Dreamforce. <laughs> <laughs> um, my products don't stop just because I'm a Dreamforce. Yeah, unfortunately, doesn't work that way. I think another thing for me, and I'm hoping next year I might be able to get a, maybe a, a TDX, but this has been a year of survival, not a year of growth and expansion in yeah. terms of my knowledge of the platform or just in programming in general. It's just been surviving all the changes that happened throughout the year and just trying to get through it. Yep. Yeah. Because I was thinking about that today. Like, I really need to get up, get up to speed on CPQ. There's so many gaps in my knowledge on CPQ, and I'm really doing a lot with it these days really yeah it's a main part of our business that mm. the company i work with okay. so work for is that is that a um is they is that something they bought cpq yeah what was it uh steel brick steel brick yeah oh it, yeah it was it was the first lightning application remember oh yeah it was yeah. the first it was the first application built entirely on the lightning <laughs> which, and is, you, which and is you not true you know what this lightning first application still has it still has iframed freaking um do you know the old spinner, the old red and gray spinner? Yeah. It oh, still has that in it. My God. <laughs> I can't wow. tell you. I look at the logs and I see a bunch of v- VF remoting yep. Uh, yep. entries in the logs. In the, in the network yeah. request or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Salesforce. Yeah. Well, hey, John, that's okay, though, because we have uh, lots of AI. So we don't need, uh, uh, you know, all... <laughs> All these applications full of iframes, iframing in like classic and all kinds of other crap. That's totally okay because we have uh, AI. We have AI. And uh, McKinsey. We are, we're partnered with McKinsey. And we're partnered with IBM again. Again. So yeah, we're, all, yeah. we're all good. It's, you know, amazing things are going to happen. So don't don't you worry about all these things that don't work and that suck up 80% of your time for non-value-added causes. <laughs> anyway, so let me get back to the meetup. So we do have a meetup planned for the Good Day Sir community. I appreciate people uh, kind of chiming in and helping put this together. Um, so we've decided on Thursday, which is the last day of Dreamforce. Mm-hmm. I think I guess that's what we did last year, and I think it worked out well because there's just so much stuff going on, and like all the all the vendors are put you know have big shindigs every night during mm-hmm. you know, and so it's hard to compete with that. Or sometimes people are obligated. So it's, I don't know. This last day seems to be the best day, but. Uh, so yeah, Thursday at Black Hammer Brewing, which is, looks very walkable from, I mean, if you're, if you're okay with walking a few blocks, Ooh, um, I would say if you're walking, find a buddy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, always, 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 but, uh, yeah. And also don't, you know, don't take my advice. Like look, look up for yourself, but I just looking on the map, it doesn't look far. Mm-hmm. How safe it is. I have no idea. And that's always the question in San Francisco. <laughs> so that's the that's what you get when you have a conference in San Francisco. It's like one block you're safe, next block you're dead. <laughs> well, quick tangent. If well, but no, 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 we can't tangent. Sorts. We can't tangent yet because oh, okay. I'm not even. I haven't even said where it is. Oh, you said it was Black Hammer. <laughs> well, okay, I didn't say the time. Is it Black Hammer? Yeah, Black okay. Hammer. Four o'clock on Thursday. Now, some people can't make it at four 
because they have stuff at four and they were like, yeah, can we do it at five? I'll, I'll still, we'll still be there at five. So if you can't get there until five, get there at five. I mean, we'll, we'll have straggles that are there for hours. I mean, I'll be there for at least a couple hours. Yeah. So appetizers might be gone by then, but starting at four, <laughs> um, get there when you can. But they have um, they have some food and they have you know it's a craft brewery supposedly so you know beer. That's what I'm going to miss. That's what I'm going to regret about not going is is being there for that. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's without a doubt like the main benefit. Yeah, and it's weird because who knows? I might not even really exist. I could be AI generated myself. No one's ever seen me. <laughs> well, <laughs> those of us who are old enough uh, have seen you at, at events in the past, John. So. <laughs> Anyway, let me make sure people are uh, mm-hmm. looking at the follow-ups to this post. Yep, Thursday at 4. Okay, yep, yeah. so that's what it is. So everyone come out to that. All right, moving on. Uh, so did you have anything on your topic list, John? Oh, I yeah, I do have things on my topic list, but my quick tangent was just oh, yeah. going to be Benioff's comment about Dreamforce because I, I find it interesting. And I think he I, – I couldn't find it, but I thought in a later tweet he – almost backtracked by touting San Francisco's uh, security and how much better it's getting or something. I don't remember, but he, he did have a comment before that. That was uh, if this dream force is impacted by the current situation with homelessness and drug use, it may be the last dream force, which has given people kind of some hope that maybe the conference could get moved to someplace. <laughs> I that's think he's so, just, I think he's just screwing with me. Benioff. Yeah. No, I, I, I think I and I I don't remember who was, I was that a talking. shot across the bow to city managers. You think, or is he just? I think it's. Or is he giving himself an out for a future out? I think I think Dreamforce has been is, so committal to sell to San Francisco. Well, yeah, he's become kind of the godfather of San Francisco because mm-hmm. of this conference. And yeah. I, but I think this conference, and I think it all comes back to money, is because of the added security and everything that, that has to get done, and the added coordination with the city to kind of clear out the area. Um. It's just becoming way too expensive. And I, yeah. I mean, I think it just comes down to that. For anyone who's thinking of traveling to San Francisco as a tourist thing, don't do it. Yeah, stay away. Go someplace else. Stay away. That's the no agenda. Let's see. Yeah. This place is falling apart. You know that is? No. San Francisco is a horrible, horrible place. I mean, I've heard that voice before. It's a Merlin man. Oh, okay. Re- resident of San Francisco. Long time resident. It's yeah. a terrible, terrible city. <laughs> it's sad because, I mean, I used to have a love affair with the idea of san francisco when i was younger because you remember I the images do. of the golden gate bridge and and the the houses up on these hills oh, and like yeah, going man. up diagonally and just like and, all the like authors and artists yeah. and actors and and the great little just like um neighborhood kind of corner restaurants that are mm-hmm. badass and stuff you know it's just yeah it's a it's an and, and just the natural beauty it's an amazing city yeah it's it's sad to see it become what it has become because you, you almost a, can't look around. You can't look up because you're too busy looking down to make sure you're not stepping into um, something or looking around to make sure you're not about to get uh, accosted by somebody. Yeah. I mean, I remember – I think it was the last one you and I were at together. This this lady, she was just screaming. I don't even know what you did. I think you looked in her general direction, and she followed us for like a, quite a while yeah, yelling at yeah. us. And that's the kind of stuff that like – I won't name certain individuals, but certain individuals in my life who, who, have, com- who have committed that they will no longer go to San Francisco at all. Just mm. don't even consider it. Yeah. Because they just got accosted too many times by people. And, and you know, someone tried to pee on this person. And oh, it's yeah. just like, why why would I come to this place again? And I get it. 
I'm I'm not I'm not I'm generally not the scare type. I mean, I'm not going to do super dumb shit like I no like, no don't, I, it's the, not like no one in, no one intends to do the dumb shit. I mean, you and I walked back from from a bar one night and we ended up in Tent City. That's fine. And Tent it was right across from like it was the, there was like a juxt, just juxtaposition the right word. So. You had the high end car dealerships. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then like there's like the overpasses right next to that and there's just tents everywhere. Yeah. And that but and that was like earlier. And that doesn't bother me. Yeah. I mean, I don't I'm not like homeless people or tents, that, that's that's not scary. Um, tenderloin's a little scary. Well, I think the point because is, of the actual uh, yeah, crime. Yeah, and I I agree with you on that. I think that it's just that at, the difference between then and now is the difference. Maybe so, and because I, I haven't the, I haven't the, walked through there and a few people, I don't know. I'm trying to think of when I made that walk. No, we made it last. We we did it last. Um, I think it was a TDX, wasn't it? No, we did it at TDX. Yeah. No, this past year. Oh, you guys. We did. walked down. Because the place we did the meetup at TDX was probably not something you should walk just just because of the distance of it. Mm-hmm. I forget what it was, but we've been there before. Yeah. You've been to this place before. Yeah, we put a sticker on the did we? on the yeah. post. But so we so yeah, the last TDX we we did the meetup there, and um, it was a long walk, but it was fine. It was fine. That's good. In That's fact, good you hear. at some point once you walk far enough down, I don't know what we were on. We went on Market, maybe Howard, I guess. Um, but you're walking down, I guess, kind of southwest, mm-hmm. um, parallel to market, and which is it is that is kind of a little bit of a dicey walk. But then you get into this like super gentrified neighborhood that's all cute and everything, with, <laughs> and like nice high rises and nice everything, and mm-hmm. then, you know it's it's weird. Yeah. Well, this is one of those topics that I I want to be wrong on. I want people to come back and say, hey, it was it wasn't bad at all. It was great. So that's what I hope comes back. I mean, it's, it's funny because you know you know Benioff still publicly claims that there's like basically never been any kind of security incident at Dreamforce, which <laughs> that you know of, <laughs> I don't, you know, if anyone believes that I have all kinds of bridges to sell you. Um, but I've never had, I don't think I've ever, had, I mean, I think what you I've just, never, I think what you're describing might've might been one of the worst things to some crazy lady yelling at me. I don't give a shit about that. That doesn't, that doesn't bother me. I think it was the, I don't think it bothered me because I wasn't expecting anything to happen. But it was it was certainly a situation. But either way, I think you know on property at Moscone, that seems to be pretty well secured, pretty well cleaned up. I've never felt uncomfortable in that area. It's just when you get out into the outskirts, when you're trying to find a place to have dinner, find trying to have find places to meet people, or go to an event that someone sent said, "Hey, come meet us here," you know, and you're going somewhere you don't you're not familiar with. You know, yeah. those are the scary parts. Yeah. Well, especially if you don't. Again, you you need to know the areas to avoid. And if you don't know what those are, then you can find yourself in a bad situation really fast. Yeah. All right, let's pop the stack. Yep. On that. Okay. <laughs> so I didn't want to point out that I am, I know you're not a super football guy, John, but this is the NFL first week of NFL. And I am, mm-hmm. I am missing are you missing the Cowboys game right now? Uh, no, that's tonight. Okay. Oh, hell no. I wouldn't be missing that. Like, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I love I love what we do here in this community, but I'm not going to miss a Cowboys game for it. So, But I'm missing, uh, you know, just Sunday football, NFL Sunday football mm. right now. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, you know, interesting enough, I, I'm starting to get back into watching uh, college football. So that's, that's a step in the direction. I've been watching, I mean, obviously the sport I've been watching with my 
kids is soccer. So we watch a lot of European mm. soccer, okay. Premier League, mainly. Did y'all go watch Messi in Frisco a couple weeks ago? <laughs> you didn't? <laughs> Some people trying to sell tickets, though. How much were they? Like they were trying to go for thousands. Yeah. 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 Um, my, uh, my kid had his. He got such a great deal. Well, he should have. Yeah. I mean, he's going to make the entire MLS league rich. Yeah. And they owe him everything, pretty much. I hope his deal brings more European players here, because what's been happening to U.S. soccer is that all our good players go to the European leagues. Yeah. As soon as they get good enough, they get contracts over there. Mm -hmm. And that's sad to see, because it it ruins our program. Yeah, um, let's say Sunday. So, two days ago, Friday night, my my kid, who's in the marching band, they, um, they had their game at... At the stadium. Dallas stadium, yeah. yeah. Tickets were uh, six dollars, <laughs> <laughs> so much better deal. Yeah. <laughs> Although our football team is not good, they um, they actually called the game at halftime because of all the lightning. Oh yeah, but it was forty-five to seven at the halftime. Really? Yeah. Oh. And the week before, we lost sixty-five to zero. <laughs> <laughs> the band's pretty good though. So. <laughs> Uh, all right. So, okay. So we, you got your thing out of the way. What was, what, what else is on your list? Do you want to talk to DevOps or I'll, I'll let you go. I don't want to, I don't want to bias you. Yeah, we could talk about DevOps. I think I had a question that I posed when we were sitting, just getting ready for the show. And I, I posed the question cause I've been thinking about this a lot. Cause this is something we're transitioning to, which is, uh, a basically trunk based deployment or, and mono repos. What it is basically, we're just having one, one main repository that we're all committing to. Uh, managing changes through feature branches. So essentially, it's the same code in all of our environments managed by by that re- repository, and everything gets kind of divvied out to those environments, and we control access or feature enablement through feature flags. And I was curious because you had mentioned DevOps, and I'm, I'm still curious about the DevOps story and how it's progressing. Um, but when I remembered looking at it, it was very GitFlow-centric, meaning you had an environment and you, you had what would essentially be long living release branches that represent your environment. So you'd have a dev branch and you'd have a QA branch and you'd have a staging branch and you have your production branch or your master or Mm -hmm. your main or whatever that that's being called. And so I wonder if DevOps supports that kind of mono repo structure. I'm sure, I guess you can, you just have one environment, right? It's, um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 I think by definition, it's, I think we're definitely talking about mono repos all the time here. I don't, I don't think we're talking about splitting, a Salesforce org and a multiple repo. So let's just right. clear that off the yeah. table. Um, we're talking about more about branching strategies, I guess, right? No, because in, in, in a trunk-based environment, you're not branching. You you pull to your local repo and you don't commit until you have something that works and you control whether or not it executes through feature flagging. Yeah, you don't you don't have um let's let's be more specific. You don't really have like a lot of long running branch, like long lived branches, sure. right? Yeah. I mean, you could still locally branch a feature if you wanted to, um, but the intent is that those branches never get to your your repo, your on your um, online repo. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm not, so I have a little bit of a different view on that. I mean, I I think even with trunk based development, you will usually um, when you're ready to deploy, unless mm-hmm. even if you deploy every day or multiple times a day to production. I mean. You will usually at least um, either tag or cr- uh, create a branch off of off of you know ma- master at that point, so that you can run you know basically have a place where you can okay we're going to run tests on this 
any minor fixes that need to be done will be done, and then that'll, and then that's a that's a deployment, and then and then you would then merge if you did have to make commits or whatever on that branch, mm-hmm. merge those back into master. But there, I, I guess my point is there is still use for branches in trunk based development. It's just yeah, it's not it's not a predominantly branch oriented environment. Right. Yeah, I mean I, everyone's rebasing. You're rebasing. Yeah, you don't you're not pushing. Um, you're not doing, you know, because you don't have a lot of long branches, you're not having to um, do lots of merges either. So you don't have a lot of merges. Everyone's rebasing locally. And so you never, you never, you don't see a lot of merge commits in the, in the, in the repo. Well, yeah. And the, the other, the other thing that you're trying to do is you're trying to do more frequent commits of smaller, smaller pieces of functionality. More so frequent, you, the better. Especially, and this really applies to the Salesforce world. Right. Like, I mean, the more that, you know, you've got someone doing config in some sandbox and a developer building his thing in some sandbox, another sandbox, someone else, mm-hmm. you know, the longer that they are diverging yep. and, the, and the longer it takes you to deploy something to like your UIT or production, just the more problems you're going to have. Right. And it's, that's really exacerbated, I think, in the Salesforce environment. It is. Yeah. And I think that's what we're trying to solve for is, is, is holding on to those things. So if, if we, we had a requirement for some automation that required a new field, Probably the first thing we would commit is that new field into the repo, and then move on to the to the other pieces of functionality. It it it, it doesn't have to be different people working on it. It could just be you working on it, but you're doing more frequent commits, and you're getting that stuff in into the into the repo. Yeah, and, and, and hence and, into the other environments. And like the very first thing you you know when you work, start working on something new, the very first thing you commit is a feature flag. Get the feature flag in there. Yeah, and then you start building on that. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Should we describe what that is? I guess, and we we throw these terms around and on, you know, because we, you know, in this uh, good day, sir, community, which is a very, I think we are, we're a big tent community. Would you, is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so too. And so, you know, we've got people who are far better engineers than I am. (laughs) And we got people who are, you know, admins or who just dip in their toes, right? The whole spectrum. So I, I guess I'll take a stab at it. So, you know, feature flagging is this, it's a technique that you can use to um, put a, ah, man, I just kind of get my noise gate right. Hang on a second. I'm doing the wrong thing. Hang on. So you can hear it. I don't know if I can hear it. Anyway. um, So feature flagging is, is a, is a technique by which you can, like you can put new, like a new feature you're building or creating mm-hmm. or developing uh, behind kind of like an on-off switch. Correct. So the first thing you do is you 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 create the on-off switch, mm-hmm. which is the feature flag, and you have it off, right? Because if we're doing trunk-based development, and and again, a, um, a quick little description of trunk-based development, basically, like it, all people working on the org are putting their stuff just right in the main line, which gets deployed to production quite often. Mm-hmm. So if the work you're doing is going to be, it's going to get into production kind of before you're ready to show it to people yet, it needs to be behind one of these feature flag, or again, think of it as like an on off flag people, you know, until you turn it on, they can't see it. Right. So you can start getting it into, into the production code base mm-hmm. as you're working on it. Um, and you don't have to actually to show it to users or make it available until it's really ready. Right now, the ben- people and the, of course the first question people are going to ask is, "Well, why would you do that? Why are you putting stuff into production that's not ready?" Well, because it makes integration, and what we mean by integration in this case is just like 
integration of all these different work streams that people have. Mm-hmm. So John's doing some coding. I'm doing some coding. We have people doing flows. We have people doing you know configuration and all you know custom settings and different things. And like the longer it, the longer you guys go between sharing your work with each other, the mm-hmm. way harder it is. Right. So the goal is just to be. Let's just everyone kind of constantly share our work with each other. Right. Even though a lot of it's not going to be ready for prime time yet, but we'll keep it hidden behind a feature flag. So that's what a feature flag is. Was that an okay description? Yeah, no, okay. that's great. I think along those lines, just to add to that, is it also gives you the opportunity to do experimental features as well. So you can pilot a feature yep. with a certain group of users. And depending on how you implement the feature flag, and there's tools out there that can help manage this. So you can say, you know, for a certain group or certain individual, they get this feature and everyone else is on the legacy implementation Ooh. of a of a feature so to speak a module and that way you can get you can collect data on that you can see if it's working you can see if it's going to meet the requirements um without having to actually change your code base and then re- try to roll it back tell me about these tools john uh well we're going to be implementing a tool called launch darkly which has mm. a whole interface built around the approval process for enabling feature flags um, is this a sales i've heard of launch darkly it's not a salesforce it's not, product right, but it yeah. does have integrations into salesforce and okay it, it has a set of patterns, I'm not going to say integrations, but a set of patterns of how you could use feature flags in, say, your flows, in your Apex code, in your Lightning components, and things like that. And the interesting part is that the connection to LaunchDarkly is a web interface. So as your component loads, it's going and reaching out to LaunchDarkly and saying, hey, is this enabled? Yes or no. Mm. So it's getting feedback directly from LaunchDarkly. So you're not like... I mean, you could technically do this with, like, custom metadata types and little checkboxes here and there, but this tooling helps you kind of manage it at a larger scale with, you know, approval processes and commenting and uh, measurements and data collection on on how a feature is working and, and all those kind of things. So that's the high level of that's it. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then and did you want to talk about also, um, so even though obviously trunk-based development is what all the cool kids are doing, why it is that we can't have nice things, John? In terms of why the cons of it? <laughs> why we why we can't do trunk-based development, or why, why is it hard in the Salesforce space? Why it is that, you know, whether it's Salesforce themselves or Capado or uh, Blue Canvas or... A gear set. Why they all like? Nah, you you got to do long. You got to do long live branches, guys. Sorry, you got to do long live branches. I mean, some of you the got to ch- do get flow. I mean, they all. I mean, many of them come out and say that you have to use a a get flow type of branching strategy, or or this will not work with Salesforce. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a couple of probably cons to it. One of them being the metadata itself. Um, you have some things that are referenced by ID. You have some things that are referenced by names. It doesn't have a good flow for um, deprecating metadata or deleting deprecated or removing deprecating or remo- or it might be um, aware of the repo in certain instances that you change something from X to Y and thus it's a delete and create. But that's something that the tools has to kind of figure out and infer from the repo. Uh, and if it's not set up to do that, that's a big pain point. Uh, and then you also just have the, the environment structure itself. They're not equal. You, and it's very difficult to get them equal, especially if you have integration work and everything else. And in some cases, when we're talking monorepo, we're not talking about just Salesforce stuff. We're talking about, you know, everything that's involved in delivering the ultimate solution is in that repo. So you might have Salesforce code. You might have, 
AWS code. You might have all these kind of things, depending on how you decide to break up your repo. Um, and so trying to keep all that in sync and all the environments in sync is a challenge to me. Um, but the fact that I can't create a, I can't have my own clean environment, meaning that when I create code and I test it and I commit it to this environment that has the integration that I need in it, I'm basically modifying an environment that everyone else is modifying. And we have breaking changes all the time because of that. I can't have my own isolated sandbox to do my development in and know that I have, that I'm testing something, breaking something and not affecting other developers. <clears throat> yeah. Um, or did I completely miss the boat? No, no, I think, you, I think you did. I mean, I think you did. <laughs> I mean, to me, like the, the takeaway is just that you, yeah, you, it has, okay. Having branches, tracking branches that are tracking the state that, your different long running orgs are in, which mm-hmm. are usually sandboxes, right? And in production. Mm-hmm. Um, having tracking branches that track the states of those orgs it has a lot of utility. Because, again, we're in the Salesforce world. It's not like I can just, oh, here's the new build that will replace the old build. No, we don't get that. We get, I mean, some things you can replace, but a lot of things you can't replace. It's, you know, it's a flow. So you have to have a new version of the flow or it's, uh, um, you know, we renamed this class from one thing to another. And mm-hmm. that has all kinds of problems. Renaming fields, all kinds of problems. Because you're not replacing the old metadata with the new metadata. You're just, you need to, you're, you're given this piece of wood that's already been whittled into some shape. But now you're needing to whittle it into a little bit of a different shape. So, well, in order to know what needs to be whittled off, you have to have the shape of the thing already. Right. You have to know what it is. Mm-hmm. It has to be aware of, of all the transactions that happen in the repo to be able to reproduce yeah. and that. So this makes tooling incredibly difficult and, comp- you know, I would say just overly complicated. Sure. I mean, we talked about this earlier. It's like, you know, you spend, you end up spending 80% of your time on, on non-value-added stuff because you're just like, how do I get my files the files on my hard drive, which mm-hmm. I want to be the org. How do I get that to the org? Mm-hmm. And that it just ends up being a never-ending, full fraught with problems uh, process. Yeah, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. the The other items are that some of the Salesforce configs take field service, which a lot of the field service config is data, not metadata. So that means that unless you have a tool that's aware of, of the or has the ability to do that for you in terms of just continuous integration. That's something that you have to plan for to do or have some mechanism to do that. To do what? Sorry, I missed that. So some of the configuration of the system, you know, because we're talking about building and configuring a system mm-hmm. and being able to create that one good known build, which is what should be represented in the trunk. Right. Is some of that stuff, as I mentioned, is not metadata, it's data. And you can't, there's no mechanism for deploying that data. It's you have to be aware of it, you have to export it, and you have to migrate it. And if if you if you don't have a way of doing that, or you don't have a tool that does that for you, then this is part of your process. So you have to set aside time to kind of do those manual activities. Permissions is another thing we don't put into the. No. We we put into this is still controversial. Well, in fact, we had a we have a, a, a thread going in, <laughs> in Slack in the Slack group right now about this about yeah. deployment and. You know, and then all the, the, the permissions and permission-related things come up. And, so, you know, it's on the one hand, it's a, it's a disaster to not in, to track permission-related things because now it's like, what do you – you're doing all your 
security stuff manually. You're just like deploying and then you're going into production and manually updating your profiles and permission sets. To, that, that's yep. a disaster. That's but what also, we do. But also tracking profiles and permission sets and everything in your source code is also a disaster. So it's like yep. you pick pick your poison. Which disaster would you like today? Yeah. We have multiple disasters to offer you, sir. Which so, ones would you like? So we do track our permissions and layouts in the in in the repo. <clears throat> However, we stop short at production. So we go we take it all the way through into staging. But then when it comes to the production deployment, we we have <laughs> so we do the deployment and then we have a log of all these manual stuff we have to do and we divvy it up to everybody. So this is why my deployments are painful. Like every other Tuesday night is our deployment night and I have to get back online at like seven or eight. Oh. So that I can be there so I can get my tasks of which profiles I'm going to update, which layouts I'm going to update. So all those manual activity things that have to be done just to make sure we safely migrate things. Because if you just if you wholeheartedly deploy permission and it's wrong, that's really bad for a production environment. Um, So it's just safer for us to just manually do it because we can't trust the metadata to do it. So tell me, can we drill down on why you can't trust the metadata? Well, here's one problem, well, and let me ask you this: Have they solved this problem yet? When you retreat, let's say you're you know you're, you're working in an environment, in a sandbox environment, you're building some stuff out, which includes you know uh, modifications, some profiles, and permission sets, and you're like, okay, I'm ready to uh, share my, I'm ready to commit my work, mm-hmm. and so you, you know, you pull down to your file system, you know, the, the permissions and profiles and things that you did. Um, is can you actually download the entire profiles, or is it still just like this subset of the profile, <laughs> depending on what else was in your retrieve set? Yeah, that the the whole magic around profiles is what gets me because it it's incredibly uh, non deterministic yeah. what you get, and yeah. this is wh- what. The hell is happening, John? Not only that, you you can be we've been you can be in for, two different we've been APIs. at this for over twenty years. Yeah. What what is happening? You can why also... is this a problem? <laughs> I was going to add to that and say that. Oh you, my gosh, you, you can you can also be in two different states because you might have your um, staging environments in pre-release state, meaning um, it's in the the next release, the next version of Salesforce that production isn't on. And so there are things you got to be careful about that. You know, if you've ever, if you ever try to deploy a profile or something and all of a sudden it says, oh, that we don't recognize that permission field or we don't recognize that that thing that you're trying to deploy. It's because you're on different versions. Um, so there's a lot to manage when it comes to Salesforce in terms of that deployment process. It's not like you get this binary that you can say, this is our build and we can just push that and know that it's going to work. Oh, now, no, I mean, that's oversimplifying no. software development and CI, CD in general, but... I think the problem is a little bit more complex in Salesforce because it is it is it's not a it's not a copy and paste of the build. It's a integration of the build. Yeah. 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 You're you're always you're not just for taking a build and replacing what's in the destination or you're you're having to merge these things right. somehow. Yeah. Because I mean, is... other environments do have the same problem when it comes to data migration and all those kind of things and they they've built patterns and tools and things around that in the CIs that they used um or the the continuous integration tooling that they have for things like that. That's normal problems. But the, our main problem is that we can't create a good known build and deploy that. We always have to merge and, and integrate. And even if, I mean, you, you could, you, you actually can produce, you can have a collection of metadata that's exactly what you want. But that's not the hard part. 
The hard part is how do you get that into an environment? Right. Yeah. How do you make this environment look like but, that environment? Because also, we can't forget this. Another one of these things that's like, what the hell is still happening in 2023? Half the time you get GACs under deployments. Mm-hmm. What yeah. do you do? What, now what are you going to do? You're going to put a case in so that so tomorrow they can ask for a go-to-meeting session with you? <laughs> that, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. So I don't know. I'm hoping for good news this week, this next week. I don't. I don't know. I mean, did we did we talk specifically about DevOps Center? Yeah, you were talking about that a little bit, but I'm I'm just. Uh, I remember, I remember seeing it as one of the sessions. Obviously, it's going to be a session. Obviously, they're still investing in it and developing it. I was just curious because I was thinking a lot about that because that's what we're trying to transition to. I mean, moving the, away from feature branching into trunk based, uh, and. I was curious, does DevOps, not that we're going to use DevOps because we have other tools. DevOps Center? Yeah. We have other tools that we're using currently, and I think we're looking at other tools as well to try to streamline this process. But it's just, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing to solve for. The easy, the, the, the happy path is, is there. Like that's the easy stuff. The demos, you know, you look at tools like Gearset and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It demos really well. The happy path is easy, or at least it looks easy. But then you get into like the data migrations and all that kind of stuff that the nuances that get a little bit difficult to manage in a safe way. Not to pick on gear set. It's just it's the first one that came to mind. Yeah. And, and they, I mean, the, I think I, from what I've seen from those tools, they, they do solve a lot mm-hmm. of the, they're, it's weird. They're not like typical problems that CID CD systems solve. Right. They're solving yeah. Salesforce problems. Yes. Yes. Or trying to, yeah. Or they're trying to give you workarounds, yeah. And and kind of in shivs mm-hmm. for for your Salesforce problems, yeah. I think shivs is more appropriate in this aspect. It kind of is. A, a shim solves the issue for you. It it levels things for you, right? It keeps things in its place. A yep. shiv is kind of a it's a double edge. It it, it, <laughs> it kind of helps stick it there, but it's also you yeah. know stabbing you. Double edge shiv could be dangerous. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean the thing, and the things with the DevOps Center, it's like, uh, you know, does it? What do you need from it? And also, like, what does Salesforce want to do with this? Like, I mean, do they want this to be commercially viable? Because they have all these partners: Gearset, Capato, and Auto Rabbit. Auto Rabbit. <laughs> Rabbit. Actually, actually, the Rabbit part is all caps. So maybe it's Auto R A B I T. Maybe it's an acronym. Maybe it's not even English. I don't even think it's English. R-A-B-I-T is not an English word, so I don't know what. Yeah. Well, to answer your question, but, I think what Salesforce I'm not done. is. I'm oh. not done, though. So they have all these commercial um, mm-hmm. solutions, which are sales, which are partners with Salesforce. Mm-hmm. Do they really want to get in that business? No. Or maybe they do. No. But what? so what are they doing? They just have to have an answer for it. They have to have something. They, they have, have to, have have to something. say they have something. They have to have a, a good replacement for chain sets, which is horrible. And DevOps can be a better replacement for chain sets. But you know, but does DevOps Center do like the deletes and renames we were talking about? Does it have does it have escape hatches so that when a deploy fails, you can get in there and you know push up another commit that fixes it and then merge those in back into your other branches? Does it um, can it run your Cumulus CI um, build like in you know 
okay, I'm spinning up a new environment. So, you know, it, with Cumulus you can say, okay, you know, our environment requires these certain packages. Some of them are available on GitHub. Some of them just go download from the App Exchange with this namespace. Right? It does all that stuff. Can you do that stuff? Um, can you um, can you manage my data operations? So anytime we spin up a new org or whatever, there's all this seed data or, mm-hmm. you know, sample data or seed data, whatever that goes into it. Uh, so we maintain that. Can it do any of that? I mean, can it do all the things that are requ- that if her just any basic organization is going to require? Well, I, th- I think. No, what's the answer? What's the answer? I don't know. That's the answer. But my guess is that DevOps is a 70-30 tool. So we did that. that we, we did a, we did a very informal sur- survey on, on again in the good days for Slack. And, you know, the question is, is, is anyone able to use this thing yet? And no one had, no one was able to say, yes, we are productively using this in real in, in a real situation. Yeah. Well, like I said, I think it's a 70, 30 tool. I think it covers maybe 70% of the scenarios. The other 30%. Does it, does it cover 70%? I'm, I'm taking a wild guess here. I, I think the, the intent is to have something in the system to replace chain sets. And the intent is to have something better. And I think, I think they started with a goal of being able to do that. But I, I think as with other things, you know, priorities change, uh, resource, I hate saying that, but resources get moved around and changed. And so we're not gobs of goo, John. I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about money. All right. You know, which kind of equates to people, all the DevOps money went to AI. (laughs) So, uh, I, I just think it's just, it's a tool. It's there. It exists. It gives them the, the, the talking point in marketing to say, Hey, we've got DevOps center. It allows you to do this, this, and this. If it doesn't work for your needs, there's also these other tools out there. I think it gives Salesforce the talking point they need and that's all they need. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not too cynical about it. Um, I, it's, I know they've, what it's been out, it's been, it wasn't announced a couple of years ago, right? Sure. Um, it's, 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 it's in its infancy. It's growing. It's a, it's a toddler at this point. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Terrible twos, maybe something like that. Yeah. yeah, sounds about right. So I don't know. I'm hoping we'll get some good. I mean, I'm actually, I'm actually really hoping. I think you're hoping for too much. I don't uh, think it's going to be the do, end to be all tools. I it's can, just I can go to my my wishes for Dreamforce ten years ago. Yeah, but there's a and, reason, and, and John. None of them have come true. <laughs> none of them have happened yet. <laughs> but it, it's almost like in. I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a second because it's almost like respecting Salesforce to be best of breed of everything. And there's a reason there's companies that focus on CI/CD. There's a reason that companies focus on on different parts of the tool that Salesforce has an option for. You know, there's there's companies that focus directly on marketing. That's all they do is marketing tools. Yet Salesforce has CRM, service, marketing, all these kind of things. You're just not going to get I mean economically it can't happen. You're not going to get best of breed of everything. And I know we wish that those tools mean, would exist. Yeah, yeah. And I know we wish that it would solve our problems and make our jobs easier. But I think I don't think the economics exist for Salesforce to be best of read at anything anymore. I think at one point when they were just CRM and service, a, a, a very basic service um, software tool, uh, I think best of breed was easy for them to accomplish. But now that they have so many different modules, so many different clouds, so many different GPTs these days mm. – <laughs> um, I don't think we're going to get best of breed anymore. Uh, does Oracle? I mean, I definitely don't expect. Does Microsoft? I, I have no expectations for best of breed. Um, I mean, so I, if you just want to take those, I mean, Microsoft absolutely has best of breed developer tools, um, best of breed version control system, uh, social 
version control system with GitHub. Yeah. Um, Oracle has absolute best of breed developer platforms, Java example, right? Um, but they have a best of breed database. Not that there's not alternatives, but they're mm-hmm. just. But that's not sales. That's not the business Salesforce is in. Salesforce is not in the best of breed business. Yeah, but Salesforce likes to compare themselves. They like to be. They they want to be included in that. That uh, audience of. He, when 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 you say Oracle, mm-hmm. Microsoft, Google, Amazon, Salesforce wants to be in that that list. Oh, for sure. And they're now they're like, oh, we're we're you know, this, there's a pissing match between who's bigger, SAP or Salesforce, and you know, they've been Benny Austin been talking about that, and the, you know the the media has been covering it. Mm. That's 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 the concern. Who are we? First to ten billion? Who's the biggest? Who's got the longest? You know this that tallest tower, <laughs> tallest all this. You know it's like okay. Well, are any of your tools, are any of your products good? Are they any of the best of breed? I but haven't seen again, SAP I don't think that's the business. in a long time to even comment on SAP. Was it SAP that they were? I think it was SAP. Anyway, being, the, you know what the fundamental problem here, John, is? Hmm. All businessmen are completely full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Little George Carlin? Yeah. yeah. Oh. God, he was great, wasn't he? He was great. All right, well... Um, did we beat that one to death. We we did, I think. I mean, for now, <laughs> the uh, I do think you know. Although there's, there's some you know always growing pains with these things, but like the CLI, they're they're they continue to do some good innovation there. Yeah, I was happy to see a lot of the the things that they've been doing with that. Yeah, and I think the conversion to the SF versus SFDX is you know I would say overall I think it's I think it's been a a pretty good transition. Um, there's been a, there's been a couple of hiccups. One one last week. Um, if oh. you're if you're still in SFDX and you hadn't updated, it had some built in time bomb that no one really realized that it just it deleted itself after six weeks. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and so the, I mean the, the the easy answer is just just upgrade to SF or just uh, just reinstall it and you'll get SF instead of instead of SFDX. And although I still type SFDX and it works, am I on the old thing still? No, no. You can be on the latest version. You can still use S- SFDX commands. Okay. Yeah, they're all aliased, so they're so you're fine. You'll be fine. And I still, I feel like I always type the wrong commands. Like every time I type a command, it's like, okay, it's like I'll accept this, but you're using the wrong command. Is what it tells me <laughs> yeah. half the time. Yeah. It's like it's not called that anymore. It's the same command, but it's called this now. I'm like, okay, well, I, I, I'm not going to say this is a negative, um, but it is a bit chatty whenever you're working with the CLI. It tries to help you. It tries to tell you, hey, these are better commands, or there's a, there's an upgraded version, or uh, I still get the, you know, every time you use this command, you're agreeing to our terms and licenses <laughs> every so often. Oh, really? Yeah. Not even sure I paid um, attention to that one. And even when you update just this, the whole dump of the release notes in a terminal window is just not, it's just not good. Yeah. Is that, is yeah. that legally binding? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it is. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's some minor complaints about how chatty it can be in terms of what it's what its feedback mechanism is, but overall it's been a good experience. And yeah. I've even pretty gotten pretty good muscle memory on the new command structure. So, yeah. And honestly, you I mean, you can between like, you know, just GitHub actions and S and the SFDX CLI, you can build yourself a nice little badass homegrown, um, CICD system with Salesforce. Sure. I mean, I, I honestly recommend that over just one of these massive vendor driven, these vendor-driven things. I mean, they'll sell you oh, anything. No. They'll sell you anything. Us big companies I love mean, those vendor-driven things. You know why? 
because we can we can put support on them. <laughs> you, you can, you can. Um, you know, you write a check to them, you write a big check to them, and then you have you have someone to 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 harass when yeah. things don't go work right. Yeah. And if that's what you need, if that's what your if that's where your organization is, then that's fine. That's I guess that's what you got to do. But you can do. I mean, and I won't name any names because I just I don't think people want to be necessarily identified. But I mean, you can you can look in our Slack again. I've talked about the Slack a lot, but the Good Days for Slack and other places to see what the really innovative companies are doing for CICD with Salesforce. And it's hint, it's not gear set and capato. Yeah. Sometimes a direct to the point solution is, is what you need. Um, but it does come with a certain amount of overhead. You do have to manage it and you have to maintain it. Whereas with a, vendor you know they're maintaining it they're managing they're it. really not though they're doing a crap job they're you know it's still a lot of it's on you it's just you know it, you, there's an 800 number to call when you get stuck on something i mean that's what you're that's what <laughs> well, you're paying for tool, tooling is definitely hard to make tool, tooling is hard to make it really is because you you, you got to draw is. a line the sign in no. the sand somewhere you know how flexible do you make something how configurable do you make something where do you at some point you just say this is our opinionated way of how you do this and this you, is how you do it you you have to you have to draw the line somewhere yeah. or else you have no product. Right. Yeah. So I get it. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely not hating on those guys. I mean, some of them, they've, they've done some good work at some of these companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it makes sense for you, then that's sure that, that that's fine. I think, I think for a lot of people it's, it's, we, they're looking for that turnkey solution because we have real problems right now. And we're hoping that we can just kind of say, write a check and get this installed and that we can start moving forward and focus on the things that matter. Focus on building features for our users <laughs> Instead of trying to figure out how we're going to deploy this in an efficient yeah. way, so that it doesn't, we're not staying up until how do, one or two. How do I get morning. my profile between environments? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, why is this so hard? Yeah, we've been dealing with this for twenty years. Still can't get a profile, a complete profile push from one environment to another. I know. And permission set still suffers from that too, because uh, again, if you're not aware, permi- profiles are going to go away. I mean, they'll still exist, but the permissioning aspect of profiles will go away. It'll be on permission sets, and so. You'll have to deal with that that I, that level. I'm still I still can't fully wrap my hand around, head around that. Per, profiles will go away. They're so they're not going away. Baked in. They'll they're, they'll still be there, but the permissioning aspect of it will get pulled out, and you'll have to do your permissioning so at the left? permission set level. If you take permissions out of profiles, what's left? I don't know, and I think it has to do with what you just said. It's so ingrained in the platform that there's certain aspects of it that just need to still exist. Yeah. But I mean, a profile does make sense in terms of a user's profile, you know, the information that represents that user, but their permissioning. No, that's because, not what a profile is in Salesforce. No, I know. Yeah. But from a, from a general term that that can still exist and that still has utility in Salesforce, but the permissioning aspect does not have to be on the profile. It can exist somewhere else. And that's what they're doing with permission sets is moving that permissioning to somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe when they do that, maybe we'll be able to get a, this is what your permission set looks like. It's everything. And it can, you can easily deploy it. That would be the hope. That's a whole other, you could have a whole episode about that. But there's complexity in that too. About how, if you're, if you're decoupling permissions from profiles, because the great thing about having permissions coupled to profiles is that you can have a named set of profiles or set of named profiles. Mm Mm-hmm. And you can look at each one of them and give them a good name, and you can drill into it and see what the permissions are for that profile. And you look at someone's profile, and you see what they have permission. You know what they have permission to. And we have left that. We have left that world. 
We're not in Kansas anymore. You cannot look at someone's profile and in any way understand what they have permissions to. You have to look at their positive permission sets, their negative permission sets, the combination <laughs> and, the, and the union and the intersection and all these other mathematical terms of com- combining things, permission sets. Mm-hmm. Do they have, is there a tool? I think there probably is now. I think there is, right? Where you can say, okay, for this user, with their profile and all the permissions, that's with the positive and negative permissions, everything else, show me what their effective profile is, their effective set of permissions. Is that, does that exist? I, I hope so. I don't, I, <laughs> I've, never, I, I've never been rich enough to have access to something like that. Because <laughs> if someone figured that out, I'm sh- I hope they're charging a pretty that, penny it, for because it. Because isn't that the problem with making, with continuing to ab- abstract and complicate the permission structure is that... Well, I think the hope is that that simplifies it. That's one less place you have to look for permissions. <laughs> and and in, in a system that we've is added, big as Salesforce... We've added seven ways, seven new places to look for permissions, but we took one away. <laughs> <laughs> well, permissions, permission sets makes more sense because it's rare, or at least it should be rare, given the breadth of Salesforce, that you're going to be able to create one profile that satisfies everyone's needs. So you're basically going to have to modularize it. So but that no one, wait, 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 no one said you had to have one profile to satisfy everyone's needs. You do you because you can only have profiles. one profile per user. Oh yes. So what I'm saying is now you can break up your your uh, security. No, model. what you're saying is each user needs to have a completely custom set of permissions. They don't. Well, of course you are. No, because they're going to have a profile and they're going to have X number of permission sets. That's a custom combination just for that user of permission sets. Not necessarily. You could have but, a group but of likely, people. But likely and absolutely possible, each user can have a completely custom set of permissions. Yes, you could go down that route, but and, that and, would be a bad way of going. That's where people are going to go. What you would want to do is you'd want to have a group, and you would add people. You'd add permissions to that group. Maybe you have like your uh, serve your your call center service people, and they're in a group, and that group has certain permissions. Now you might have some management people, and they'll have like the management permit permission. You know service manager position and they'll have different they'll have a new an extra permission set or you might have all the permissions and maybe you're doing a negative permission to remove some access from that group um, so there's different ways to kind of combine and customize that in a more flexible way but yes that flexibility gives you complexity and that's going to make it harder to trace and i hope salesforce has the tooling in place to be able to say why do they have access to this record yeah. Because basically, instead of being, I mean, it's, let's assume that you have really good security, and that you, you know, you, at your organization, you guys test every, every like profile to make sure it has the right permissions, not too many, not too few. Mm-hmm. But you can't do that anymore because you can't functionally. Each person, no, each each user can have a custom set of permissions. That, I don't know. I mean, I mean I, you're, you're, maybe I, I mean, you're saying the right thing. It's just as with everything, we know it's an imperfect solution. So the best we can do, and this is what we do at, at, our, at our company, is we have a QA team and they pick certain people and they go, okay, this person best represents. So you're, sample, you're sampling. We're sampling. We're yeah. saying this person best represents this group. Does this person see everything they're supposed to be able to see? And that's how we validate it. Would it, would it be awesome if we could validate that every single person in the org could do that? Sure. But with. 200, 500 users, you're not going to do yeah. that. And really, I mean, uh, my complaint is not that, that 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 the permission system has gotten more capable because, sure, it's got – I mean, it's, it's gotten more complex, but it's also gotten more capable. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's, you know, customer requirements that have driven this for Salesforce. Right. Um, 
my complaint is just continues to be how hard they make it for um, developers, engineers, admins, deployment specialists to actually get these things wrangled into source control and put in orgs. Well, maybe we'll get a big surprise. Who knows? I, we might. I don't know. Because yeah. you know they did. They did announce that setup was going to have its own domain. Maybe after, maybe at Dreamforce we're going to get some big announcement that along with that domain we come up we get a whole new setup interface that's so awesome. A new setup interface that's awesome. Well, yeah, that would be cool. I guess maybe it's not iframed into classic Salesforce anymore. <laughs> <laughs> or I have to do like uh, I can't tell you how many times I've clicked on a page and waited patiently. Staring at a white screen, waiting for it to lo- waiting for that iframe to load, only for it never to load, and then I have to do a hard refresh yeah. and see if I can get it to load. Sometimes that doesn't even work. I have to click onto a different setup module, then go back into it to get it to show up. That's that's annoying. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> or and and for, you have, for, also have to turn all your browser security off to get half the stuff to work. Yeah, for for the Ferrari level pricing you're playing for licensing, you shouldn't have to. Deal with a setup interface. Yeah, like that. I, I shouldn't be seeing UIs from uh, twenty, or sorry, like two thousand five, mm-hmm. and I'm still seeing some UIs from two thousand five. Yeah, I know software's hard, but it is hard. It is hard. But um, when you get to a certain size, we have expectations. It's, I, I think it's fair. So speaking of DevOps Center, um, I guess SFDX is getting some new commands that are. DevOps SF. commands. Or sorry. SF, <laughs> Actually, yeah. it's just the CLI. The, the Salesforce CLI. CLI. Yeah. yeah. They've, they've given up on developer experience. It's just, <laughs> it's just Salesforce. You know, just Salesforce. Um, yeah. What, what was it called? Um, I forget what the category of commands was called. Oh, but yeah. I remember a, that. A pipeline. It's pipeline. Pipeline. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't looked at those at all, but it's the... That's nice to see it coming. Yeah. I mean, if nothing else, it's just a sign that, okay, we're going to keep, we're going to keep trying to make DevOps in our thing. Well, again, I think it's a better replacement for chain sets. And if you can automate it using the command line, that's even but better. But it's not even usable for us yet. I don't think it ever was meant for us. Who's it meant for? You, you basically, I mean, it has no, I mean, it doesn't have the escape hatches. It can't do basic stuff. I mean, I got to think that those of us that are doing more advanced stuff, we're like the one percenters of the Salesforce like developer community. Stuff. I mean, I just there are so many people doing so much more advanced stuff. There than are so I'm many doing. people. You you want to you want to know how many people are still using Dev Console to do their development? A ton. <laughs> I know. Oh, they're gonna have to pry that thing from people's cold yes, dead hands. They will. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's people who are still <clears throat> using this stuff. Hell, we're still using chain sets, and we have we have other tooling. But it's just to get it into Salesforce to manage it to do the be able to do the quick deploy. <laughs> It's just sometimes it's just easier to manually do this stuff because otherwise you either mess it up royally and you're uh, you're trying to recover or um, you just miss a lot. It's yeah. almost easier. It's 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 so weird. It's so complex or so hard. That it's almost easier to do it manually step by step yep. and trust that you did it step by step than it is to automate it. I know. And I, I have to argue with people on this. I'm like, they're like, why are, why are we doing this? This seems like a lot more work and it's going to slow things. It's going to slow us down. And like, it's a lot of bureaucracy. And I'm like, I, I know, I know it. I get it. Yeah. I, I get why you understand that. And it would take me too long <laughs> to get your brain to the point. 
Yeah. But so let's just let's just try it. Yeah. Let's just let's <laughs> just trust me. Just trust me. Yeah. But then I'm in a situation where like now I'm like, I gotta maybe I gotta be able to make this happen. I hope I hope these tools can do what they're supposed to do because Yeah. All right. Next. Eight oh five, good old Californian ale or another Manhattan project, key lime pie. Sorry, I tried to crush it and I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> failed to crush John. It's uh, embarrassing. Mm-hmm. At least you didn't like spit it up all over our uh, couch in here. I almost did. <sighs> all right, I'm ready. <laughs> well, then we have to pick. Oh, I thought we were doing 805. Either that or a key lime pie from Manhattan. 805. Okay. Uh, you're tossing a can of. I can't <laughs> yeah. open it now. Yeah, you can. Does this actually work? And, and that's also, does, does that the, do anything? I don't know. There's also thing where people spin it. Spin it? Yeah. I'm not doing does that work? I don't know. I mean, I don't believe it works. <laughs> okay. It didn't explode. There we go. Ooh. It's cold. Well, it says properly chill. <laughs> oh, that's good. I like that. I have one of these cans. I haven't drank it yet. But I got it from last episode. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm just cleaning up my, my beer fridge here with us. <laughs> I don't know why, because it's black. I thought it was a stout, but it's not. It's always got to be with you, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> John. I, thought, I thought we had uh, progressed to a better place than that, John. We have. So I disappointed apologize. in you. I, I got to do the YouTube apology. Uh, do I need to mark that? Or I that? take that deep breath <sighs> and apologize for my words. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And the reason that we come to Davos, or at least the reason I come to Davos, is to really work on that muscle. Hold up, hold up. Yo, what did my boy just say? Can somebody <laughs> please rewind that? <laughs> we work on that muscle. We work, we work, we work, we work on that what muscle. You thought that this. muscle and expand. Who produced that? It had to been you. No, I didn't produce that. No? Oh. So we're, I, now that I have my sandboard app, I'm just like looking at all this old stuff. I didn't even know what that was. Just, just like clicking on random things. Yeah. Uh, what is this? We're elastic. <laughs> okay, that's good. Invest in America. <laughs> uh, that's right. Yeah. America first. <laughs> Any monkey with, with a set of lipstick on their pig lips can write it for Forbes. Mm. Yeah. Some things never change, John. Like this one. Jeremy was right. Yeah, yeah that, that's never going away, is it? No. That was at the top of the board. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, there's a, just a ton of Salesforce AI stuff in the news. Like they've been, you know, every week there's just, you know, it was a couple weeks ago they announced a new partnership with IBM, Salesforce did, and it was uh, another Watson thing. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. IBM is still grifting on the Watson bullshit. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's McKinsey. Uh, they have some. I think I, I wrote out some quotes here. So uh, McKinsey and Salesforce will offer customers a new end-to-end experience. Oh, do you believe this? <clears throat> I believe that as much as I believe Slack is the new interface for Salesforce. <laughs> uh, and this is something in which McKinsey will listen to and analyze a customer's business goals, and using McKinsey's 
rapid solution design. Wow. How much do they spend on workshopping that thing? Uh, we'll create a proof of concept in MVP AI tool. A code code word for MVP nowadays is doesn't freaking work. Mm-hmm. Customized for the customer. I, I can't believe people write checks to that to this, these types of companies. I honestly can't believe it. Jeremy, they, you got to play the game. That's how you get to a billion. It's funny because you got to play the game. Studies you got to pay McKinsey. You got to pay Gartner. You got to pay. I know. You got to pay all the, the little yeah. blog, bloggers out there. Well, because no one got fired for hiring McKinsey for consulting. You got to pay the GDS, GDS you know, Is that podcast. Sure. Yeah. I must, We've made billions on this podcast talking about Salesforce. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even funny, John. It's not even funny. Um, yeah, Salesforce also recently adopted a similar collaborative AI adoption for a – oh, God, these words, John. I know. Almost, I, I must, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm holding back my, my bodily function here. You're about to have a week of it. Salesforce recently announced a similar collaborative AI adoption framework. Oh, yeah, that's tough to swallow. With IBM and its consulting arm, which is in some ways a rival to the new account announcement with McKinsey. Salesforce appears to be playing both sides, or at least offering AI adoption tools through a range of technology consulting partners, which makes sense as it seeks to retain its pro- retain its prominence as the leading CRM provider in the AI age. Ugh. But the thing about that is, like, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think Salesforce... It's weird, because... Do you think Salesforce still sees themselves as a CRM company? Uh, yeah, the, Salesforce only does one thing, right? You're right Salesforce only does one thing, which is CRM. Sorry, I forgot. Yeah, the CRM. Get your um, facts straight. I don't know. Man, this, I tell you what, for a basic beer, I mean, ever since they came out with this, this is a good beer, 805. Yeah, That's good. I know, our, I know our West Coast friends know about this beer, but luckily they ship it here now. That's good. Super basic. But just well made. I'll tell you what, Firestone Walker. <clears throat> Back that, to basics. Um, they're, um, they're master brewer, Matt Brimlison. He's uh, He knows what he's doing. Okay. Um, yeah, here's another quote. Our joint team of data scientists, solution architects, cloud engineers, UX designers, and organization culture specialists will work side-by-side with Company teams, McKinsey writes in a press release. That meant a lot. To I me. mean, goodness gracious, you can't make this up. I know. And then uh, Larina Yi, uh, who's a senior partner at McKinsey, emphasized the role of AI as a, quote, powerful catalyst for growth. That's what they hope. She pointed out that collaboration would help businesses turn, quote, innovation into impact. I mean, does this lady have a, I guess it's a lady, Lorena, Lorena, I don't know. Um, I mean, does she just, she probably has like a little soundboard of these buzz phrases. Powerful catalyst for growth. Innovation in turn, innovation into impact. Mm -hmm. Does she practice these in a mirror, do you think? They get a list of words they have to incorporate into the article and they just sprinkle it in there. They just salt it. It's like a Mad Libs or something or reverse reverse Mad Libs. Yeah. And then uh, Clara Shi, who is uh, the CEO of something called Salesforce AI. If you're a CEO, does that mean it's a separate company? Salesforce I AI? I think so. I mean, I, don't, I guess you can just call people whatever you want. Um, she also echoed the statement, noting that, quote, 
AI first. We're AI first now. Yes. So all the 20 other firsts that we over, those have all, I bet the original ones are now like 20th. Like instead of first, it's like, oh, we're mobile 20th. <laughs> Do you know anyone who uses the Salesforce mobile app for anything? No. Yeah. I, I never have. No. Um, okay. She notes that a, uh, an AI first approach rooted in trust and transparency. Wow. But can they, uh, can they go to the file? According to McKinsey's own research, the impact of generative AI on the global economy um, has the potential to unlock as much as $4.4 trillion in global productivity. Global productivity, do you know what that's a key word for? Laying off people? Yep. <clears throat> Which is whatever. I mean, technology always does that. You know, we've... we've We've been through so many cycles of um, progress and innovation, and people, you know, stop making buggies and they start making cars or, you know, they, whatever. Yeah. That's fine. People stop wanting to come into the office. We'll, we'll replace it with AI. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll put our little, little, uh, a uh, Einstein version of Alexa in your seat where it used to, where after we fire you, where you used to sit. Yeah. What was it? What do they call that Einstein guy? Einstein. I just guy. looked it up the other day. Yeah. Oh, they had it was like an Alexa, but it was just a, like it was an Einstein. Einstein speaker, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone actually get any of those? I don't know, but I want one. <laughs> and maybe you can find one on eBay. <laughs> I'll just say good night to it every night. I yeah. love you, I love you, Benioff. Mm. What? Uh, and more quotes. What sets this partnership apart is its focus on creating a seamless experience for companies from start to finish. There are no seams. No seams, John. Wow. It's perfect. That's a sign of quality. McKinsey and Salesforce are offering a joint team consisting of data scientists, cloud engineers, and various other specialists to work directly with teams to make this happen. They keep using this word (laughs) teams generically. That means we're going to build a hell out of you to to write a document. Yes. Yeah. So probably minimum starting price is probably five to ten yeah. million, and it just goes up. And like, uh, let's say seventy five percent of the budget is going to be to write the document. Yep. Oh yeah, gotta have the document. Yeah. The um, oh gosh, what are the other acronyms? The um, acronyms. The uh, SDS, the solution the, design. Yeah, but the, we gotta go before that. You, oh, you, the, you've put the cart before the horse, Sean. Oh. You have to tell me because I, I know no, what you're like the about. requirement specification yeah, or the requir- RSD. Or I don't know what these yeah. things are called. DSD. You have a yeah, and then you got to have the matrix that maps the requirements to the document. Oh yes, the trace the traceability matrix. the traceability matrix. Yes, yes. absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> heaven forbid we deliver something valuable that didn't you know wasn't uh, brought up by someone in an ivory tower. Yeah, <laughs> then you have to have the 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 solution design, then the technical design, and then because we're agile. You have to have your your epics, your stories, your oh, use course. cases, your test yeah, cases. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's seventy five percent of the budget, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, you are not. You're definitely not hitting your uh, your deployment d- uh, deadline. Nor are you going to stay on budget. <laughs> it's not going <laughs> to happen. Oh, didn't someone post on Slack that some government got shut down because they they ran <laughs> up like a hundred million dollar bill on a project? Well, that it was a. Uh, was a city in England? Where was that? I don't remember. I, I forget. No, they did have like a $90 million Oracle bill. Oh, yeah. It was an Oracle thing. But what was buried? They buried the lead. The, this city lost a 900 and something million dollar equal pay settlement that they're having to pay. Wow. But the headline? <laughs> Oracle's Oracle. fault. Oracle's fault. 
<laughs> Oracle didn't advertise enough with them, so they threw them under the bus. Oh, unbelievable. It really is. Man. All right. Um, hmm. John, what else we got? Uh, we can talk about lightning if you want. Did you hear about this? Um, well, we can do that real quickly before we get into that. Um, yeah. This is all over the news this past week. This, um, I guess there was a super hyped, fancy restaurant going in the top of the Salesforce. I don't know if it's a tower or this Trans Bay complex. Well, the tower has has a restaurant, right? Well, this is called the Show, SHO restaurant. Which was an extravagant NFT-driven fine dining pipe dream. Oh yeah, that was on the top. San Francisco's Salesforce Park is dead. Yeah. It's dead now, John. Yeah, that was the transit. That was that whole transit center thing. Yeah, I yeah, expected it to be it's not, dead. It's not possible at this time, despite strong demand of the concept with millions of dollars in pre-sold <laughs> memberships. That's funny. We ultimately could not address the many concerns brought about by potential investors. I mean, so they got millions of dollars of investment. From just random folks. Yeah. But most of the concerns were around the future of Salesforce and the rising costs of constructing the restaurant. What? But they originally pitched this thing as one of the most expensive restaurants built west of the Mississippi. Uh, it was a luxury Japanese fine dining experience. It was funded by uh, these the members. They sent up a ton of members who purchased NFTs, John. NFTs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... They were dead out of the gate, right? Yeah, they were just using NFTs in place of, of membership cards. But they were NFTs stored yeah. on blockchain, priced between $7,500 and $300,000. Yeah. I remember uh, that. Yeah, I, did, see, I didn't know about this. Yeah, we talked about it. I remember, yeah, okay. I remember it when they announced it. The, and this is San Francisco saying, the project was never issued permits to even build anything because the designers failed to follow up on feedback from the San Francisco Department of Building Inspection. <laughs> And there was probably extra scrutiny as well because the uh, that whole complex had some structural issues. Remember? Yeah, I mean they had a crack and some of the yeah whatever. But I think, but I'm hey. sure that that made made them like be a little bit more diligent with with whatever was going to be built there. Maybe. Maybe drove up the cost a little bit of having some extra uh, uh, inspections and things. I mean the 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 top tier um, was. A $300,000 FIRE membership. They, had, they sold 20 of them. To who? I'm just dumbasses. <laughs> <laughs> People with too much money. Uh, okay. All right. Let's, I guess, get a lightning now. How can I follow that up? I, I have no idea. That's, I mean, that wasn't that good. So. Oh. Well, so this I, – I don't know if we ever talked about this, but I do remember reading this article uh, back in March about uh, some of the improvements they're trying to make to Lightning in terms of performance. Um, I don't think we talked about it. And I think we didn't talk about it because this article was really light on content. It didn't really talk about any of the details. But here's here's what this article basically is saying is that the the bootstrapping of Lightning is probably one of the bigger issues in terms of performance. So if, just bootstrapping itself? Yeah. Okay. And so here's the flow as they describe it, because I think it's important to understand how they're going to try to address these. So the first thing it does is it tries to establish a connection with Salesforce. 
So this is you go to the URL and it establishes a connection to Salesforce. It does two things concurrently. It grabs the core framework for Lightning and it grabs any of the common, common components and, and downloads those. Then the third step is it renders the initial page. Then it goes and grabs all the additional components. So those are the components that you and I write or vendors write and all those kind of things. So that's when you see when you see the little character, that's when it's loading the core and common components. And then when you see the page load, that's the initial rendering. And then you see your little spinners, spinners, spinners everywhere. Just the cacophony of spinners. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, that's that's the a addition. good callback to our original episode one title. Yeah. Cacophony of MVPs. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why that popped in my head, but yeah, it did. That's a good word. Uh, so the step four is loading all those components. So then it gets the data. So any data or anything that it has to render pulls either pulls it from the crash or, or goes and calls the, the wire methods to go and retrieve it. Uh, and then, then it completes the page rendering, and that's what you see when you see it. So that's that's the kind of flow of what it's doing today. Um, what they're hoping to do is they're trying to break up the rendering and kind of speed it up. Uh, one of the things they're trying to do, and let me get to my link, sorry, is um, they're trying to split it up to where they're they're going to increase the concurrency, so hopefully try to do more things at the same time. Uh, some of the strategy revolves around HTTP2, which mm. I wish I could say I kept up with the whole HTTP protocol thing, but I didn't. I had to look up what the changes were for HTTP2. T, T. <laughs> HTTP, HTTP <Yeah>. 2. <laughs> it's not HTTP GPT. That's got to be next, right? That's next, right? Yeah, that's, that's Web right. 6. I don't know. What are we on right now? Web four? I don't know. Web my, three? I don't know. My kids are mad at me because our Wi-Fi is not Wi-Fi six. <laughs> I'm like, come on, you're getting like 700 megabits of internet effectively delivered to you over Wi-Fi on my Wi-Fi five. You're fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my kids are like, Dad, our Wi-Fi is so lame. It's not Wi-Fi six. <laughs> Um, so anyways, right now there's an HTTP 1.1 connection that goes to the Salesforce uh, load balancers. What they're hoping to do is split that into uh, using HTTP 2, which uh, I, from what I understanding is it's a it's the same protocol, but it frames the content and packages differently so that you can manage concurrency better is my understanding. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's my understanding. Either way, there's a mechanism in place to try to improve concurrency and get more things done at the same time so that you're having to let wait less. Yeah. Um, I, feel, I feel like that's what HTTP2 is all about. Although I also have not like followed it real closely. Yeah. If I read something from uh, Mozilla.org, it says that the primary goals for HTTP2 are to reduce latency by enabling full request and response multiplexing, mm-hmm. minimizing protocol overhead via efficient compression of HTTP header fields and add support for request prioritization and server push. What's weird is, um, yeah, HTTP, HTTP in general is supposed to be a stateless protocol, but like HTTP two is it's progressing more and more into. I mean, it's it's a very short lived state, but it's state because you you know you establish a connection and then you have all this all this multiplex stuff happening, but it that requires state at least very transitory state, but at least state for that to happen, right? Um, so I, I don't think we've talked about Salesforce Edge. I remember, I remember hearing about it, but I don't think we've talked about it, and I still don't know all that much about it. But I've never even heard of it. It's I I I don't know what it is to be honest. 
Uh, it says user access your users access your Salesforce data from all over the world. Salesforce Edge Network delivers a consistent user experience regardless of a user's location. It okay. improves download times and users' no, uh, a, network it's experience. It's a CDN. Well, they, I would. That's what I thought initially, but in their description, they actually do have a Lightning CDN and then they have Salesforce Edge. So I, I think they make a difference between the common components that don't change very often because they are making that distinction in this yeah. this kind of move to improving the Lightning experience. Is all the components that don't really change unless there's a new release, which is the quarterly releases or seasonal releases that we have. Those can be cached in the Lightning CDN. Everything else, like our custom components or things like that, that maybe change frequently, and they can. I think they're making use of the web's. Um, oh, what was it called? What was it called? Some kind of a caching mechanism. It's like uh, and the web has a lot of those. Yeah, no, it's it's like a stale <laughs> or re-retrieve or something like that. I forgot what it's called. Uh, but they're trying to make use of that of that mechanism for for caching uh, to try to try to do that. There was something about your the whole lightning thing that I kind of wanted to make a general point about, which is that I do feel like um, lightning is very behind the curve when it comes to what other um, just like kind of front end web technology is nowadays. Well, I think everyone was in a catch-up mode because everyone kind of wrote their own web component standard, and then web components web components became a standard. So Aura was, was kind of their implementation of the web component. Mm, uh, well, I would never even say Aura was web component. It didn't look like web components. Now, Lightning does. Lightning looks like well, web components. Well, Lightning is web components. Uh, yeah, yeah, mainly. Mostly. I mean, there's a yeah. framework on top of it, but it's web components. Yeah. And I, I mean, Aura was an attempt at building a sandboxed framework for those components, and that Web components gave us that sandboxing. It gave us that security. It gave us that isolation. Um, that w- Aura was Salesforce's attempt at doing that before web components became a thing. And I think React had the same problem. React was trying to do its own thing, and now it's. I think it's trying to incorporate more web component standards. Well, they've all had to deal with old browsers, and so yeah. you have to shiv. Right. Lots of shiving. Lots of and, shiving. Instead of using actual web components, you just make your you you make your developer surface area look like a web component, even if it's not really a web component, yeah. knowing that someday we'll get to the web component Shangri-La and yeah. it'll be real. Right. No, but my point was, though, um, I probably want to make, be able to make this coherently, but you know, I feel like uh, front-end frameworks have moved on to a lot of ahead-of-time compilation and server-side rendering and pre-compiled stuff. Yeah, I want to get to that. So and, yeah, and, and Lightning is just I don't know, at least five years behind? It may not at be least. that it's behind. Yeah. It might be intentional. Okay. Because I found this little nugget in this blog post, and it says, it's worth noting that most of the components today are delivered as Java strings, literal JavaScript comments or part of the JSON payload uh, that, among other things, defeat bytecode caching in modern browsers. So I'm thinking what's happening is that mm. there's a collision between what the browsers are trying to cache and what Salesforce force is trying to say what is safe to cache like because of the way the framework works or, or the way the platform is architected there's certain things that it can't be cached but the browser yeah. is trying to aggressively cache that stuff so in order to prevent that they're removing it from the equation and salesforce has insane challenges again the you know given that any given org you know they're going to have uh, you pull up a screen and it's going to have it's a multi-vendor potentially a multi-vendor page layout 
-hmm. of components from different sandbox security enforced components from different companies. Yeah. So Salesforce definitely, I mean, they have all kinds of unique challenges in this space and that's fine. I totally acknowledge that. Um, but it just, uh, you know, well, they're just really behind in performance. Yeah. And, and it's obvious that they're trying to improve it. I'll put this link in the show notes because it's, it's actually a pretty good read because the latest article is called Our Detailed Plan to Improve Lightning Experience Performance. Uh, and it actually is well written. Uh, it's really high level, but they do kind of talk about the opportunity that's presented in terms of what they can do to, pre- to improve performance, the areas that need to be improved, and what their plan solution is going to be. Obviously, this is on a roadmap that's going to take probably years to do. Um, they have this little Gantt chart of things that they're trying to accomplish. And we're probably like 10% of the way there today. They had a Gantt chart. Oh, that's great. So um, I love a good Gantt chart. You know, I love a good Gantt chart, John. <laughs> I use, I use the term loosely, but if you were to see this diagram, you would say that's a Gantt. Yeah. I would yeah. say that's the Gantt. So, sure. Sure. And we're roughly maybe 10% of the way there. So there's a lot of improvements to be, and it's good to hear that they're, they're working to address those issues. But yeah, it's it's a good read to kind of understand what the problem is and why your pages are so slow mm-hmm. and what they're going to try to do to address it. And there's actually a lot of information here, so I won't go to it in de- depth here because I'm a few beers in and yeah. we're running long. So. Right. How are we doing? <laughs> uh, we're oh wow, we're an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Holy mackerel! Yeah. I didn't even have anything to talk about today. I thought. Uh well, yeah. So um, Benioff's back to. I'm interested to test something here. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, Still filling with your knob, huh? I am. Different knob this time. Oh. I'm on multiple the, knobs. I'm just, You're a multi-knobber. I mean, we started messing with stuff last week, and it's... it's. Uh, I'm still trying to adjust. Okay. Now, Benioff is back to hyping uh, hyping San Francisco. So what was... That's uh, what, that's uh, what I said. I, I have whiplash. I have Benioff whiplash right now. <laughs> you probably found what I was trying to say earlier, is that I know... I remember when he said that, you know, if San Francisco... If this event has issues that we're going to pull Dreamforce. But I remember seeing he, some he really back, posts from him really that backpedaled he that. backpedaled it. Yeah, yeah he did. Um, do you have was, it was, you? Was, Yeah, dude. It was like a week ago that he, you know, he was like, yeah, we might, we might have to pull Dreamforce from San Francisco. Yeah. Um, over, yeah, it was about concerns over homelessness and drug use. Whatever. I mean, it's been the way forever, right? Um, although it does progressively get worse. Uh, he's, he's, he's now sharing news about an AI startup. He's excited about this. They have an uh-huh. AI startup yep. that is going to sublease space in Slack's old building. Uh, Slack put up a 200,000 square feet for sublease at yep. 45 Fremont and moved its workers out of there. Uh-huh. They moved to and, the tower. And Benoff says, I'm not allowed to say who it is, but I couldn't be more excited about that because we're really seeing downtown San Francisco become AI central. In some ways, I hope so. And he says he can't wait to show attendees, I guess Dreamforce attendees, what's happening in San Francisco. Well, okay. Um, yeah. I'll be there next week, so I'll, I'll get to see it. <laughs> yeah. To get, a, to get a better understanding of how much San Francisco needs people to come back into the offices and needs these conferences, just look at your uh, receipt when you go out to dinner. And you'll see a lot of extra line items on your oh, receipt yeah, yeah, yeah. of things that you're helping to cover for, and that's, for those employees. That's not even the tip of the iceberg either, though. But, I mean, given that San Francisco is so dependent on tourism and and 
all those people coming sure. into the city to work, all these tech professionals, right? You know, the fact that they're not coming back, the fact that that they haven't been coming back, that these all these spaces are up for lease, it's really impacting the city. It's making it worse. The problem. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's tough. I feel like these these cities that have year round pretty good weather, it, it's almost like it encourages homelessness. No, it does. Yeah. Like, you can't be homeless here. You'll freaking die. San Francisco's <laughs> problem is, is very complicated. There's, there was a lot of bad decisions by the city, but there's also a lot of bad play by other cities and other states that yeah. have sent and trucked people into the city. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's a very complicated problem. Anyway, I mean, I, I know we, you and I both kind of feel this way, but I, I really like San Francisco. Yeah. Um, I just wish they'd get their stuff together. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully they travel there. Progress. Every week for almost a year was that on the, a project. Was that the um, bio, biological company? Yeah, it's a pharmaceutical company. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that. Yeah. All right. Well, to, to just – I want to make sure to recap this. Um, if you're going to Dreamforce, we will do our our meetup um, Thursday. Right about that, right? Thursday at 4, four o'clock or 5, if that's when you can make it, whatever, at um, Black Hammer – Black Hammer Brewing, which appears to be a reasonable walk from Moscone, or you can Uber, whatever you want to do. Uh, and I would also say check the Conversations channel on our Slack for updates, because, you know, if it has to change or if there's new information, you know, that works, right, John? Yeah. Oh, also, yeah, feel free to share your experiences in that channel as well for those of us that aren't attending we'd love to read your comments that's true it's usually a fun place to gonna kind of go and see when the keynote's going on yeah and if i would also say just in general like you know if you're at dreamforce and if you see see something interesting um post it because uh, people who can't go you know they're they're kind of looking for that feed of what's going on you know what am i missing what do i need what do i need to know uh all right john well Got another one in the in the bag. That's, that's it's got, longer than I thought it'd be. It is, but also, I mean, man, uh, we're getting episodes out every two weeks, at least for the past two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, we also have we we have to make sure we don't lose. Tra- we are so bad. I, yeah, it's funny because the reason I mentioned the episode when we started episode numbers because we're so bad about that. Like we hit all these milestones. <laughs> we hit one hundred, two hundred, three hundred. We don't even say anything. We just roll right through it. Yeah, we're just professionals. I know that's that's we're not that's, counting. I think that's the opposite of professional. We're not counting. But our ten year good day, sir, anniversary is coming up. When did we start? Didn't we start like in I don't remember. It's October twenty fourth, John. Oh wow. Yep. Yep. You believe that? Hmm. Okay. Sounds like a montage you better start working on it now john i'm glad that's your job and not mine <laughs> oh maybe i'll squeeze in some episode zero stuff in it that's what i should do do you have that yeah oh my goodness i don't yeah. even think i have that i don't have that anymore yeah it's mm. pretty bad no i don't think it's that bad actually no, i'm sure it's bad i mean not that we're not that we're just it, we're, it was bad in different ways we're still bad but we're just bad and we keep finding new ways to be bad <laughs> Well, you could tell that, at least on my part, I could hear how uncomfortable I was. Oh, yeah. 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 Especially since at the time I was like, 
uh, leaned over and speaking into a box I made. I remember that. Because yeah. <laughs> you had a really echoey room, right? I did, yeah. yeah. Just trying to trying to manage the echo. Yep. All right. Well, what else do we have? Um, I'll have a bunch of stickers with me. I also have a big, big batch that's ready to go out. So everyone who's in the queue yep. will be on the way. Um, but otherwise... Our email address is info at gooddayserpodcast.com. You can send us sticker requests. You can send us questions to address on the show. Or if you have a private question, that's fine. People do that too some, with us sometimes. Um, topics if you want us to cover. Feedback. Feedback. Um, other than that, just share the show with people. Tell people about us. That's uh, that's how we kind of grow this community and keep it alive and you know, this is a I this is an interestingly curated. I feel like it's a self-curated community. We we're some interesting think we have some interesting thinkers in this community. We're, sure. we're we're a little different. Yeah. What was Apple's motto originally? Because it was it was criticized for its grammar, but I think it was actually Just not think a grammar. Think different, problem. wasn't it? Think different. Yeah. Think different. Well, this I feel like this community thinks a little a little differently. Oh, that's another thing happening next week. What's that? The Apple. Oh, the Apple. Uh, was uh, that next week? Yeah, it's the mobile. Oh, event. they're not going to steal the show, are they? Next week, it's something twelve. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it is going to steal the show. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it! Uh, oh, twelfth is Monday, it's Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. so Dreamforce will just be kicking off. So that's keynote day. It is. That's keynote day, and that's is uh, that Fireside with the uh, OpenAI guy. Uh, what's his name? Oh, Sam Bankman yeah. Fried, or the other? No, not Bankman Fried. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry, uh, John. I get my grifters confused. <laughs> I, uh, I can't get these grifters straight. <laughs> yep. Their names all sound the same. What's his name? Altman. Altman, Altman right? Yeah. Sam Altman. There you go. Yep. Sam AI Altman. Yep. All right, John. Well, it's been fun. Yeah. How are you liking that 805? It's good. It's not bad. Yeah. No, it's a little better on tap, but this is a good beer. Good. Everything Firestone Walker makes is good, in my opinion. I'd agree. Yeah. And to that, I say, good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.